Hello, you are listening to Dork Therpod, a collaboration between Dork Dancing and Mr. Turpod, where we are working to cover the mental health stories of dorks in the Danang community, and we hope stories of dorks elsewhere as well. You can listen to Dork Therpod on any of the traditional podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, and, and others. And we encourage you to give this a share with uh, with other friends who you may think benefit from a listen. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to share stories and open up a little bit about mental health. Um, and on this episode, uh, I will be your host. My name is Ethan, and I will be interviewing Millie. Uh, Millie is a very active uh, and passionate dork with a really profound story. So uh, today we're going to uh, listen a little bit and learn uh, from Millie and uh, her experiences. So hope you enjoy. My name is Millie Carroll, and this is my dork dancing mental health story. I called a friend from the hospital. I had memorized his number because I'd never saved it. Something's wrong. I don't know why I'm here. He excused himself from what seemed to be a night out at the bar, told me that he didn't want to speak with me, and then hung up. I sat alone at a table, wondering how I ended up in the psychiatric ward. I was in and out of awareness for weeks. Later, I learned that friends and family had visited me every day, but I don't remember these visits. My emotional outbursts wouldn't grant me outside time like a few others in the world ward. A few weeks passed and I was starting to have cabin fever. The mania didn't subside and I had to learn to pretend that everything was just fine so they would let me out. Eventually the psychiatrists discharged me from the ward but the anger, paranoia, and delusions didn't fully go away. Within a week I was back in the hospital. It was like my brain would stop recording and then start again. I wasn't fully aware of my strange behaviors. I could not explain. My sister admitted me the second time because she was afraid for my life. They had told her if I had waited any longer, I, w- I would have died from dehydration. I'd forgotten to drink and no one knows for how long. I was in constant emotional pain. It had been pent up for more than a decade. It was the first time anyone had ever seen an emotion come from me other than pleasantries. I was angry, so I broke things, and then I would burst into laughter from the comedy of it all and then I would cry hysterically. I didn't know how to express the accumulated pain I had experienced over the years from the abuse and neglect, and it all came out in a short amount of time. The scariest place in America is in the hands of a nurse who is tired of working in their field, too overworked to care and too underpaid to do anything about the outburst, and so they drug you to sleep. I live with the fear that I will go off the deep end of insanity and end up back in the psych ward. The problem is you don't know when full-blown mania occurs because you are too busy riding the wave. It's like surfing a world record wave only to find out later the waters were filled with sharks. You don't know how close you are to danger until you are in the hospital, given antipsychotics to help you come down off that wave. Four years after my first hospitalization, I had a second psychotic break and the treatment from the staff was worse than the first time. I felt powerless and helpless. When I was screaming for help at my loudest, the care was not there. It felt like someone had yanked the wires from my brain, realized an error, and then shoved them back into their sockets without checking their placement. 
once the doctors put everything back in, or in order with heavy psychotics, I lost my ability to function. I had to relearn the basics, such as brushing my teeth. This trauma started me on my journey. I knew something was wrong and I needed to figure it out. I could no longer ignore the reasons that triggered these two psychotic breaks. Everything I did moving forward was in favor of my mental health. Did I sleep enough? Were my thoughts racing? Did I eat enough? I started delving into various therapies and self-help healing practices. I accumulated a series of tools that helped cultivate healthy habits. One of those habits is sweating. I need to break a sweat a few times a week and I don't want to do that in a gym. I want to sweat while having my version of fun. Dancing, for me, is fun. I have a long history of dancing. As a child, my friends and I would choreograph dances to popular songs and then perform them for our parents. Later throughout my teenage years in the Netherlands, I would go to clubs every weekend and dance until 5 a.m. I stopped dancing when I moved back to America, though. I didn't feel safe in the United States, especially considering the nightlife culture there. Instead of dancing at night, I joined a capoeira group, which is a Brazilian martial arts dance. It was controlled, calculated, and instructed. Later, I went to a few salsa, tango, and hip-hop classes. After my hospitalizations, dancing changed. Like brushing my teeth, I had to relearn the basics. I wanted to move but didn't know how anymore. For years, I had been wanting to just move my body the way my body wanted to move, freely, without too much structure. Looking back, I thought I could find it in some dance class and a particular dance style. My hope was it would just click again for me. Never happened until dork dancing. I heard from a friend about the idea of dork dancing for mental health, and I became super interested immediately, so I gave it a try. It felt freeing. It was the kind of dance I was looking for. My body just wants to move with no rhyme or reason. In dork dancing, I can do that without any judgment. I don't feel alone any in my dorky moves, and there's a community that does not stigmatize what has shaped me as a person. I am myself in dork dancing. Since my hospitalizations, I feel as though I'm succeeding in my mental wellness journey. It's been six years since I've had anything related to a mental breakdown, manic, or depressive episodes. I have learned a lot of good tools and practices that work well for me. With my type A personality, I've diligently logged my behaviors, using that data to see what works and what doesn't. For years, I took note, holding a desire to share what I had learned. Now in dork dancing, through something we call dork meetups, I am finding an opportunity to share what worked. Dork meetups was born as an extension of dork dancing, as a place for people to meet up and speak about anything related to mental health. We work through exercises and grow together, while also giving space to people to just talk. You can share anything that's going on in your life for support, even if it's just listening ears. For me, dork dancing is more than just a sweat. It's a community where I belong, a community where I can add value and grow, a place to share everything I have learned over the years through my journey. Dork dancing created the community and space for that. Dork dancing has made a huge impact on me, and I think I can confidently state that it will be an everlasting one. Hello, Millie. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Um, yeah, so, so so happy uh, to be with you and, and uh, have this time to share a chat. I uh, really appreciate everything that you uh, have done for uh, the Dork Dancing community and uh, your decision to share your mental health story. Um, your, your words are, are very powerful and it means a lot that uh, you decided to share openly and, and uh, take time to reflect and and uh, share your story as you did is, is very beautiful. So thanks so much for, for sharing that. Well, thank you for starting it. It, uh, it really brought a lot of meaning into my life as well. Um, just the existence of the dork dancing community. Um, and I found even when I first started having a mental health story that I felt less alone, the more I learned about other people. So it got mm-hmm. easier to talk about it. Oh, that's as wonderful. time went on. And that's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced something similar uh, after sharing my story. Um, so yeah, like just to take uh, take some time and uh, take this as an opportunity to to ask some questions uh, to follow up on the story that you just shared and and learn more about your experiences mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, so there's a part uh, in your story where you shared, uh, "I live with the fear that I will go off the deep end of insanity and end up back into the psych ward." Um, this is certainly a fear that I can relate mm-hmm. to, but I uh, wanted to ask, what does this fear look like for you? Uh, or how does it sort of uh, relate or affect uh, your day-to-day life? Um, I think a lot of my, I think, well, my mental illness was triggered by unhealthy lifestyles, I think was um, a reliance on marijuana, sometimes not sleeping enough, not a good enough, um, what do you want to call it, uh, diet. And so my day-to-day life revolves around that. Um, I don't go out late. I don't engage in anything that's mind-altering, not even much alcohol. Uh, So I would say my entire lifestyle revolves around maintaining mental stability, if that makes sense. Everything Mm. that's within my control, at least. Mm consumption of anything whether it's music or um even watching horror films you know raises the raises your heart rate i find myself gets a little bit of paranoid if i'm watching a horror film and that like freaks me out a little bit because it changes your mental state for something that's that's not reality if that makes sense right yeah definitely i i've had the uh uh, pleasure to to spend lots of time with you and 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 learn uh you know, parts of your, your traits and personality and, and what works for you and what doesn't. Uh, a curiosity that I have is how do you think you've been able to develop the level of self-awareness that you have so that you can sort of make maybe responsible decisions around your mental health? Well, let's see, where do I begin? Well, the first thing that popped up in my head was my, um, natural curiosity on human behavior. I've always had a natural curiosity of it with psychology and such. And so when I first came out of the hospital, I, my first question, or no, yeah, the first time, the first time it happened. And also the second time it was, why do I do what I do? Um, And I understood just being, I guess, maybe a scientific kind of mind. I started recording my own data you know, uh, how did I feel while doing things, um, asking questions about my parents and their past and what their grandparents were like and what their parents were like and trying to find, uh, connection 
addictions, perhaps uh, passed down behaviors and stuff like that. I think it's just my natural curiosity. In the end, revert it back to trying to discover myself, right? right. Um, I guess one of my favorite things to do before learning about myself uh, was people watching and learning about other people. And now my life has been focused on learning about myself mm. um, and anything else I could discover about my own psyche and my own behaviors and how one thing led to, I guess you could say the psych board. And what can I do opposite that would not lead me down that path again? Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So sort of a combination of uh, observation a natural sort of fascination by people and human behavior and then um yeah study studying yourself and just going on that journey so it seems like a in a way you kind of have a uh, a mindset of uh scientist using myself as my own little guinea pig right um i felt like my experience with throughout the you know a manic depression episode or psychotic break i felt like i was outside myself anyways and when i came out of it um that just kind of continued the journey, but in a more, I guess, a stable mindset and sober mindset also. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to take this sort of like uh, energy and curiosity around mental health and trying to understand what works and what doesn't moving forward? There's so many paths that I, I want to and can could possibly take, but one of them is I do have a desire to delve more into psychology and um, advanced studies in psychology. And I know what has worked for me and altering my lifestyle and my, um, how I guess how I, how I interact with life could be helpful and beneficial to others that don't have neurotypical minds that are just a little bit off of the, I guess, normal scale. Um, and how to implement what I've done for myself and how to do that for others. I guess either through a program or um, studies to see, you know, what does a person look like if, you know, they're mindful literally about everything in their life, if they have psychotic breaks, if they have a healthy lifestyle, if they don't consume anything that's mind altering or body altering, um, if they could live a healthy lifestyle without heavy narcotics, right? Mm. Um, because I think. And I think this is coming to, I see, I see this a lot with some therapists online when they post that, you know, possibly uh, mental illness is just the expression of um, suppressed trauma. So if you can heal parts of your trauma, then rather suppressing it even more with psychotics, um, if that's something that I did do, that I addressed it. And, you know, I worked through a lot of the um, unhealed emotions that I had kept buried that I didn't even know was buried for so long, um, if that works for other people. So I guess in a nutshell, what I would like to do in the future uh, around mental health is seeing what worked for me, if it works for others. Right, right. Because I know how debil debilitating, you know, um, the cost, the side effects, and just the everyday taking a medication saying like, oh, some things wrong with me. I have to take this, right? Rather than healing the problem and not just fixing the symptom. Certainly. And I'll, I'll have more questions to ask about that. But uh also want to ask what what do you think are some of the the deepest insights that you gained from your your two uh psychiatric uh, or manic episodes? If there's one thing, I guess the thing that I I go back to always is um we're a product of our past, we're a product of 
I, I call it the Pavlov's person, you know, we're programmed to act and react in such ways. And I think from my own psychiatric uh, hospitalizations, I learned that I had suppressed so much because that's what I was taught was the right thing. I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have the tools to safely or feel safe, you know, in sadness or anger or all of these things. And what became an ultimate buildup of what, yeah, just suppressed emotions became a psychotic break, right? And so the mind just broke and I was able to see all of these things inside and and then be like, oh, wow, I do feel all of this and I'm angry and all of this. So the one thing I do take from it is that we're, we're a product of our parents, we're a product of our past. And I think because I was able to look inside myself at that point and see my own psychosis, my own psyche my own unhealed parts I'm able to see that in other people too or not be so harsh on you know watching someone go through a mental crisis or um, difficult times in their life it's kind of being sympathetic in a way right right. more sympathetic than I would have been and if I would have never gone through it you know Um, even just seeing a homeless person uh, having, you know, talking to themselves or having just one of those moments. Uh, I was that person at one point. I was definitely right. looked like I was crazy. And right. um, you don't think, oh, a crazy person, you you, you feel bad. And mm. yeah. Right. Well, I think that's one thing that's, uh, I, I can certainly relate to a lot of those reflections and, and thoughts. And I think that's one thing that I really appreciate and is excited about um, our relationship. So you were the first person I met um who after starting direct dancing connected with me personally and sort of shared oh i too am diagnosed as as bipolar and have had similar experiences you know two manic episodes to uh, hospitalizations and it was really for me uh, a profound and exciting experience to be able to connect with a near stranger on this deeper level around mental health um so really appreciate you know that a unique connection that otherwise can be like a little difficult to find. How did you first get involved uh, with Dork Dancing and what were some of our early conversations like? And you, you had a bunch of different ideas. And so want to ask, like, how did that express itself within Dork Dancing? Well, when I first started, it was because a friend had told me there was, you know, some people dork dancing for mental health. It was just, I don't know, something that piqued my interest. And uh, after we met, you were talking about how, you know, we shared our stories and I was like, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And you were talking about how you wanted to impact the community outside of just dancing, right? Um, being Being able to impact people on a deeper level. And I had been on this journey of collecting my own data and working through either, you know, uh, westernized therapy, professional therapies, or my own self-help. And so we created, you know, the workbook that came to fruition because of our lockdown. Mm. And we also talked about the festival and uh, it would be great to have a big dork festival. And because I think on any level, uh, most people experience some sort of mental health issue, whether it's just as simple as, you know, anxiety or, you know, full-blown schizophrenia or something like that, you know, we can all connect on, on this, this one thing where we're all, you know, getting used to times changing. Mm. Um, we're in the fastest growing part of our, uh, technology than we have ever been in a civilized world that we know of. And, um, mm-hmm. I think that causes a lot of the, you know, social anxiety or depression or, um, expectations of what we should or shouldn't be right 
Um, so I think a festival, I think, in the future would still be a wonderful idea. A sober festival, right? Being able to connect yeah. to people, truly connect to people and being able to dance and express ourselves without having to be inebriated, to be able to release our inhibitions without having something lower our inhibitions. Um, Certainly. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we can still get that organized in, you know, in, in the coming months. Um, so could you share a little more about the the workbook uh, that you authored what what what's in there and um yeah what what's the primary purpose and and design of of that workbook uh so the workbook was uh is i believe uh six modules four of which i was primarily um active in uh then you had a big part on facing fears um and then there was a creative outlet as well and the purpose of the workbook is to give people, I guess, a guided tool that they could do on their own to, to self-reflect, whether um, it's writing to their past self, writing to them, their present self, to their future self, and figuring out what it is um, they might have left behind in the past, um, maybe a neglected part of their psyche, um, how they truly feel themselves in the present and, and uh, what they're proud of, um, being aware of our emotions. There's a section about that. You know, uh, what do I think of when I when I'm sad? What do I think of when I'm angry? And how can I reframe these thoughts? Um, there's a gratitude section we had help with from Kelsey March, where um, she shared that it's most important to explain the why we're we're, we're grateful, right? Because we could be grateful for so many things. I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for this, but it becomes so redundant. Um, being so grateful for things that if there's no substance behind it, it kind of just falls by the wayside. It's packed packed with the you know a lot a lot of really good content. So um, yeah, it's basically you know a, a workbook for for people to uh, go through exercises that will be helpful for their mental health and a range of different different strategies to do so. And it was really so cool to mm-hmm. see and to who, get to know themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sort of like be on that journey of uh, studying yourself and your, you know, what works, what doesn't. Um, so, yeah, the workbook, I think, very well uh, captures some of your strengths in terms of like, you know, you being very self-aware. And these are exercises, I think, that were were effective for you to reach that. And um, the the fact like all the work that you put into to put it together and, and see it, you know, the journey of it just from an idea the, to becoming a full workbook was, was really cool to see. Um, so yeah. Thank and you. Uh, you did yeah. a lot of work as well. Oh yeah. Uh, some, some stuff here and there, but you're definitely the, the, the force behind it. What maybe like single idea do you think uh, would be most relevant for the listener to take away as it relates to mental health today, you know, in, in a post COVID-19 world. Learning their own story, how to actually talk about it, I think is something I think would be the most useful, even if you write it down at first um, and then share it with someone that's you're close to. Because I, I think one thing you and I had learned throughout our entire journey and, you know, continuing to, um, learn is that the more you share, the more you connect it, you become with people and the less alone you feel and the more understood, um, you can, the more you can understand others. And then you can slowly even more understand yourself because, um, 
one of my favorite quotes is we discover ourselves through others. And I think learning about other people's stories and how they uh, cope with things or their methods of healing helps us along our own journey. Um, And maybe the perspective of how someone, you know, uh, sees, you know, their own anxiety or depression or uh, diagnosed mental illness might help you understand yourself better. And I think when you start to understand yourself, um, you can start to heal yourself. Certainly. So learning your own story and, and talking about it. Yeah, that, that's very powerful. It's uh, I don't know exactly how I'd respond to that question, but I, I might come to a similar conclusion. I think, yeah. After my first hospitalization, I didn't even look up what bipolar one was. Um, I didn't even want to read it or know about it or anything. So I never even spoke to anyone about it. Um, and then a friend of mine experienced something similar in Nepal where he uh, lost it and ended up in a Nepalese psych ward. And he was the first person I was able to talk to about it. It was the first time I didn't feel alone. Um, and I started being able to like tell my story and try to slowly understand what happened mm. myself or e- even panic attacks, right? Uh, having anxiety attack or panic attack. I still don't know the difference of what I'm experiencing sometimes. Mm. Um but my mother sharing that with me and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, you start to breathe and do that kind of thing. Um, but my friend, I, I took him in and I was able to tell him like, you know, uh, I went through what you went through and you're going to feel like you, you're not afraid of anything, but the fear does come back. So don't do anything stupid. And he stayed with me for a couple of weeks. And then he later told me, he was like, that was the best advice ever. Cause you feel fearless. You know, once you have a psychotic break, your, your psyche literally breaks and, you mm. feel kind of like this new person. You faced all of your fears in such a way that you feel fearless. Mm. And um, mm. it was the first time I, I was able to speak about it and I was able to learn my own story. But before that, I, I, I buried it. I didn't even look what bipolar one or two was. Right. Super, super powerful and fascinating. Uh, understanding that story, reflecting on it, and then being able to communicate just, yeah, that level of understanding and awareness just, just heightens um, so very much agree. Cool. Well, uh, th- thanks so much for uh, taking this time to to chat a little bit about mental health and and your story and some of the the things that you learned. Uh, really appreciate again everything that that Thank you've you done. Yeah, yeah. You're you've just been a, a huge champion for for mental health and have also helped forward uh, the stork dancing idea and cause and community. Um, and it's been really exciting and rewarding to, to work with you and relate uh, with you on, on these different levels. Um, so thanks for sharing your story and this conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll continue chatting and collaborating. Thank you. And there you have it. Conversation between myself and Millie. Super appreciative for our friendship and everything that Millie has done to advocate for mental health and help support the dork dancing community. Uh, The closing song on this episode is by Mark Smith. And if you're a local artist in the community, we'd love to highlight your work. Uh, These episodes will be released on Thursdays. And it's our suggestion that um, you give this a listen on your way to dork dancing if you're in the Danang community. Just put on those shoes and walk to the beach and the headphones and then you can enjoy some nice podcast therapy. Um, if you have a story and are interested in uh, reaching out to us uh, to, to share your mental health story, then you can contact us uh, at Dork Third Pod on Facebook or other social media 
uh, channels. And uh, who knows, maybe your story uh, may inspire another. My name is Ethan Levy, and you've been listening to Dork Therpod. Tall trees growing here, none will be seen.